Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's an entrepreneur and the director of Vision for Creators Learn. It's Jermaine Cheetah. How are you doing today, Jermaine? I am doing great. How are you, Alex? I'm doing good. I'm excited to learn all about your Rise of the Challenge. What we like to do first with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? So uh, I'm from Arizona, uh, Phoenix, and uh, I was always involved in always always kind of intrigued with sports. Um, it always was a nice outlet for me just to kind of, I guess, release a lot of energy. <laughs> um, so uh, sports were always something that was fun just for the simple fact that, you know, it was competitive and I could always get better and, and learn a craft. And uh, you kind of learn the team dynamics too. So, um, you know, sports was always kind of a, a huge draw for me. But also I kind of realized that sports is a lot like business too. So, um it was a competitive landscape where there's winners and losers, which I like. When playing in Arizona, was it always a challenge with like the weather or were you able to rise to the challenge in the way and overcome any of the obstacles that were put in front of you? Uh, the weather's actually pretty good for sports because uh, there's no tornadoes, there's no snow. Uh, it's hot sometimes, but I can deal with heat. Um, so no, it was never really a problem. I mean, sometimes we'd have football practice in the summertime and it'd be 105, 110 degrees, but you learn to get stronger and get tougher. So, uh, it never was a challenge for me. Was there any sport that stood out to you or were you someone that wanted to take on any sport possible? Uh, I always enjoyed football and basketball for the simple fact that they were team games, but an individual could take over the game. So, um, that's why I like those two sports, uh, the most. Was there anything that challenged you with football or any of the sports, or were you able to take on, had the skills easily? Um, it was kind of innate. Uh, in football, I was a quarterback, and then in basketball, I was a point guard. So I'm kind of naturally like the ball in my hand, if you will. So, um, no, there really wasn't ever a challenge. It would be a challenge if the ball wasn't in my hand. Uh, so it was a very natural fit. Taking that idea of wanting the ball in your hand, do you take that now in the things that you do as an entrepreneur? Like you like to have the control or like the play call in the action that you do instead of being a person that listens to someone else and then have to follow their path. Exactly. I mean, that's the reason why I am an entrepreneur. Uh, I think that's why, hopefully, that's why anyone would want to be an entrepreneur because they want to be in control. They want to be the captain of the ship. Um, so that is the, the whole reason why you go into this entrepreneurial journey is to have the freedom to create what you want, how you want to, when you want to, the way you want to. Um, so that's to me, the number one reason why I'm an entrepreneur is the freedom that it gives me to create what I want without, without anybody controlling and telling me how to do it, when to do it and what way to do it. I think that's what I like about like solo projects in a way you have full control of what you're doing. And sometimes when you have a team that sometimes people don't carry their weight in a way and you have to take on that slack and fulfill their role and being able to accomplish all the things that you're supposed to be doing. So it's almost like what I do now with this show. I'm a one person doing it, but I have full control in the idea and the creative aspect of everything that happens. So I, I totally agree with what you say with about the entrepreneurial journey and what you're wanting to accomplish. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool because, you know, you, like, like you were saying, you can take other people's um, ideas 
and thoughts, but then you decide, yo, what is good about it? And then you can kind of mold it into your own narrative and your own language and your own, you can own it in your own way um, and then create what you want from there. Growing up, did you have any inspirations or anyone that motivated you? Um, I guess just myself. Uh, and what I mean by that is my motivation was the fact that I was always scared and then I was always, um, uh, I guess I just felt kind of lost in general. And so the motivation was how can I figure out what this life is about? <laughs> like, what's the truth about this life? What's the truth about myself? And so my motivation was always, you know, let's test myself. Let's, you know, let's listen to these weird narratives I have about myself and I talk about myself to myself and let's see if these are actually even true or, or if they're just ideas. And so that's how I even got involved in sales because I used to think I was a bad communicator. I used to think people didn't like me, people wouldn't accept me. And so I said, well, let's see if this is true. What's the best way to test this? Huh, let's go, let's go do door-to-door -door sales. Let's go make 300 cold calls and see if people receive me because you're gonna know real quick in sales because you get kicked in the teeth you know, do they like you? Do, are, are, you, are you lovable? Are you enough? And I realized that those stories I was telling myself were just, were just again, like that. They're just stories. So I changed the story. I changed the story to, you know, everybody loves me. Everybody accepts me. Everybody wants to work with me. And you start manifesting that in the world. So um, my inspiration and my motivation was always to challenge my fears. Um, and so that's what I've always done. And that's what I do to this day. Was there a specific moment that you thought I'm lost or I need someone or something to help me get on that path where you're able to overcome those fears? Um, no, the fears never go away. Uh, till the day you die, they'll always be there. There's always something new that I'm going to be scared of or fearful of or apprehensive about or uncomfortable about today. And I, the key is just recognizing, oh, I'm fearful about that. Uh, maybe I should move towards that. And what can I do to defy that fear? Um, so it's not like one particular thing. I think it always comes down to, in general for humans, it comes down to the a lack of feeling um, like worthy, accepting, accepted, or um, you know, are you enough? Am I lovable for other people to accept me? And I think really what that comes down to like subconsciously is I think we don't realize it, but I think the world and life is so amazing and, and such so awe-inspiring we almost feel like we don't deserve to have this opportunity to live life to, to experience this and i think when you think about it from that context um it makes sense why you'd feel like you're always trying to prove yourself because you're like damn look where we're at. look where we're at look at how i got here i don't know how i got here but i'm here i get to experience this and instead of us looking at it as a blessing we almost look at it as well, I don't deserve this opportunity. This is all subconsciously happening. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, that's kind of the, the crux of, and that's why religion does so well. I mean, it's, it's this idea of you're enough as you are. Um, and so I've always used, for me, business as a, as a, as a vehicle for me to express um, my opportunity here. Because like, if I'm going to be here, I might as well create something and build something and do something and create freedom for myself and others and like enjoy life to the fullest. I mean, to me, my number one goal in life is to enjoy it. That's it. I don't have any other goals. So um, I, that was kind of a long-winded response. When would you say you got your first exposure to the business world? And 
and where you started to enjoy and de developed the reasoning to fulfill that dream? Well, my first experience was my first job, which was, you know, I wanted some money to buy, you know, basketball and baseball cards and bubble gum. So my mom says, well, you better get some money. You better figure this out. That's, that's like the best advice you could ever have because uh, that's the way life is. You figure it out. And so I went to my neighbor and she was like 80 years old. And I said, hey, can I help out in your yard? And you'll pay me. So she said, great. So I was slaving away over there for, you know, every Saturday and Sunday. She'd pay me, I don't even know, three, four dollars an hour or whatever it was. And I realized I could take that money and go buy stuff and buy goods and things I liked and get my bubble gum and get my cards. And I was extremely happy because I realized, huh, I, I, I do something for somebody else and they give me something in return. It's like click a light on that. Oh, so this is how the world works. You, you put forth effort and you help someone else and then they help you out. And so that was kind of the first experience with it. And then it's just kind of morphed from there. Um, but I didn't want to go pick her weeds, but I knew I wanted baseball cards and I knew I wanted bubble gum. So um, I had to make a sacrifice where, okay, I'll sacrifice my time to go do this. But I learned like, oh, this is how the world works. This is how things operate. And I was maybe, I don't know, 10 or nine. Um, and it was kind of the first eye-opening experience that um, you realize, I realized that I create my future. I create the life I want by my actions. A big topic that has always been discussed is with kids is sometimes the parents just give them whatever they want. And they kind of think that they deserve to be given everything you want. But in your case, you had to work for those baseball cards. And I know when I was younger, I had to work for everything that I deserved. Do you think you benefit more from working at a young age where it helps you over time understand the value of the dollar? So, you know, if you want to get that certain item that you have to work hard instead of then giving it easily. Oh, without question. I mean, I understand the value of the dollar. That's why I negotiate so hard when it comes to anything in my personal life or my business life, because I realize it's valuable and everyone has an angle that they want to fulfill. I have an angle that I want to fulfill, but somehow meet in the middle. So we're both happy. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do not believe in giving children or anybody anything for free. It, it doesn't, it doesn't build any, um, well, it really doesn't build any happiness. When you give someone something for free without them looking for it, there's zero happiness that comes from that. Um, all of happiness is from one thing and it's progress towards your goals. So if you want to have a goal for me, buy baseball cards, my progress was to go work for it. And it made it so much more fulfilling versus her just giving me the $10 to go buy the baseball cards. It's, 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 it's exponentially more fulfilling to do it on your own. Um, yeah, so I think you have to work for everything in life uh, there's no such thing as handouts. I 100% I disagree with handouts. What was that dream job that you were wanting while you were growing up? Um, I guess I'd be an entrepreneur to create my own thing. It wasn't like one specific thing per se. Um, it was really just to be an entrepreneur, create my own uh, reality, create my own freedom, uh, as much money as I want, as much free time as I want. I mean, the way I built my business is 90% of my day is free. Um, I make as much as I want. I, I learn how to leverage money. I learn how to leverage relationships. I learn how to um, just live the life I want to enjoy, like we said earlier. So um, that was always kind of the goal is to be in business and to be an entrepreneur. 
So what was next for you? How were you able to get to being an entrepreneur? Did you go through education or did you go right into the job force? Yeah, so it's funny. I, I went to school and I was trying to get into like an entrepreneurship uh, program and um, I didn't get in. They didn't accept me. Apparently, I didn't cut it. So um, I said, okay, well, that's fine. What's the best next thing? And so instead of learning theory in a classroom, I took an opportunity to learn practical skills in actually becoming an entrepreneur. So I started a uh, a painting business and you know you're not going to learn how to be an entrepreneur in a classroom it just doesn't work that way so it was actually a blessing in the sky so i started my painting business when i was in college and i learned how to go door to door and talk to people and it, hey can i give you a free estimate i'm a college student da, 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 da. and i did that all summer and it was great because i realized again that go get what you want don't learn try to learn from somebody how to become an entrepreneur entrepreneurs are built in the street they're built with the, the dirt on their hands. And um, so that was like a, a huge uh, opportunity that I realized I didn't know I was looking for. I thought, oh, teach me how to become an entrepreneur versus, oh, just go, go into the fire and go learn how to do it. So um, that was an awesome experience. So with this painting business, was it just an easy like idea that came to you or did you kind of have to take a while to find that perfect idea to start that company? No, it was just an idea that they came and talked to me at one of my classes about this opportunity to, to do this painting um, entrepreneurship program where you own your own painting company. And I was like, well, hell yeah, because they said I, I'm not good enough to be an entrepreneur in this classroom. Maybe I'll be good enough in the real world. That's how I really learned. So I jumped at it as soon as I can because I realized I was an opportunity, even though I, was, I didn't want to go door to door, even though I was uh, insecure. Um, I knew, again, my fear. I, I, had to, I had to defy that fear. With not having that program able to access it, what was it challenging about going to college? Was it not being able to learn exactly what you need to have in the real world? Or were you able to kind of change it, the outlook and be able to take all that you could absorb? As far as the... As far as the the, the, the college, the, the painting experience. Um, I mean, I, I didn't really learn anything in college as far as the classroom, to be honest. The uh, only thing I learned in college was how to be resourceful. I learned how to um, be, socialize with people, how to communicate with people. Um, but yeah, as far as uh, college really wasn't all that beneficial to me um, as far as the classroom stuff. Did you have a support system during this time or were you basically going solo throughout the whole journey? As far as college or the business or what do you mean? Both. Because sometimes people have that and sometimes they don't have that support system to back them up to be able to fulfill what they want. Or did you have that support system behind you? Yeah, I mean, I would say I had a support system. I mean, my family... um, always supported me, whatever I did. Some, sometimes people would be fearful because, you know, everyone has a different journey and some people are entrepreneurs. So when they hear you're going to be an entrepreneur, they're fearful because they, they, they value security when I value freedom. So, um, but I, I really never, uh, I would say I had a support system, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm the support system as far as I have to have the fortitude and the belief in myself. Um, it's, 
kind of like I really don't believe in like following leaders. I don't believe in leadership. I believe in you are the leader because you have to lead yourself. So um, I, you know, you know, support systems are important, but they're not the end all be all. During this time, personally, were you able to have that freedom and what were you doing with that freedom that you had? Um, I don't know if I quite follow your question. So you always talked about going on an entrepreneurial journey that you were able to have that freedom. What were you able to do with that freedom? Were you able to socialize during this time or were you more focused on the professional life that you were wanting? Um, I guess both. Uh, I mean, everything. Like right now, I travel around the world full time. So I have plenty of fun. I, I do plenty of stuff within the business. Um, the, the freedom that I've gained in my entrepreneurial journey is, has just been um, to do whatever the hell I want with it. So um, a, a lot of it, I really don't separate business from life. So I don't consider, oh, this is a business thing and this is a personal thing. It's the same to me because I am just who I am. So, um, my, yeah, so I, I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, I just use it to do whatever I want to do that I want to enjoy life. So how long were you able to keep the painting business going before you wanted to go to that next stage in your life? Yeah, it was, it was just the summer summertime uh, painting business. So three months. So what was next after college? So then I started um, in finance. So I originally got involved in, um, I got a job with Wells Fargo. So they, I thought I was going to be kind of a recluse and work in um, like a cubicle. But, you know, when they gave me the job, I realized that my true nature kind of came out. And I said, you know something, I want to hire a salary to start. And so they basically told me to kick rocks. And they rescinded the offer. And so then I was basically left with no, no job. Um, but at least my true nature came out. It's like, I like to negotiate. I like to call the shots. I like to dictate who I'm going to be and where I'm, how much I'm going to be paid. And so I ended up getting a job where uh, I was offering, you know, financing the businesses uh, to buy equipment that they needed to run. And I was making 300 cold calls a day. I didn't want to make 300 cold calls a day, but I knew it had to be done for me to create the freedom that I wanted to create. And so that was kind of the, the next big step. But, you know, it was really, it wasn't a, a well-oiled machine the way they had it set up. So I refined it. I made it better. And so instead of making 300 cold calls, I ended up just making like 50 cold calls where I would target people that sold the equipment instead of the end users. I went after the equipment sellers so they could introduce my services for me. So I'd have to sell to everybody. And so that's really kind of the next evolution of my entrepreneurial journey. How were you able to kind of talk to the people in that company to be able to make those changes? Was it a big fight with them or were you able to give them good quality evidence on why these changes needed to be happening? No, it was, it was pretty, you know, pretty much an entrepreneurial journey. Like <laughs> see those numbers up there. If you don't have any numbers on the board, then you're not going to work here anymore. So do whatever you have to do to make it happen. So I had a lot of autonomy to do my own method of um, how to leverage my, my time. And 99% of the people there were doing it the old, old fashioned way, making 300 cold calls. And I decided to go a different path. So 
Now there was there was uh, autonomy to do that because all of a sudden I'm working a quarter of the time, but I'm putting up five times the revenue. So they said, oh, this must work. A lot of people didn't know how to do it though. So, uh, but yeah, it was a lot of autonomy there. With this company that you were working with, were you able to move up within it or were you able to stay where you wanted and be perfectly fine and secured? No, I was I was the vice president of sales and uh, but at the end of the day, my entrepreneur spirit always you know kept coming up and I didn't want to be an employee anymore. So I quit and then I you know I was on top of top of my game, but you know it wasn't worth it to me. I wasn't happy. So I started my own firm and uh, and just started to you know my whole thing is like, why am I only why am I splitting my income when I'm doing all the work, when I'm supporting all these employees that are dead weight? You know, why am I getting only a fraction of my income? If anything, I should be getting a huge percentage of it to try to keep me on board instead of me paying for these, these deadbeat, these deadweight salaries. And so, um, yeah, so I started my own thing and um, it was kind of a no-brainer. When you talk about not wanting to pay for other salary, deadweight salaries, was that more of looking out for yourself only or were there ways that you could have changed to be able to not make it where they're deadweight salaries, but more of including them within what you were doing? The only way I would have stayed, I mean, if they would have changed the commission structure, maybe I would have stayed, who knows, I doubt it. Um, but I just don't believe in, it's kind of like the handout thing we were talking about earlier. It's like, I don't believe in giving people a salary, even though they suck. Just because, just because you think that you need a certain amount of people in an office, you're going to handcuff the rest of the office <laughs> because, you know, you think you need warm bodies there when the 80-20 rule is playing out here. So if you give me a better cut, maybe I'll stay, maybe I won't, but you got to take care of your horses. You don't, you don't sacrifice your, your thoroughbreds. So how did you know that you were ready to go to that next step and start that entrepreneurial journey? When was like the final straw basically? Um, I don't know. I just always knew that it was, it was inevitable. It was coming. Um, there wasn't, I wouldn't say necessarily a final straw. It was always inevitable. The problem is I had one of those unique situations where you, know, you hear a lot of people, oh, COVID, I lost my job. So I became an entrepreneur or, oh, I got fired. So I became an entrepreneur. I mean, I was making plenty of money. I, I went to the office an hour or two a day. Um, I had all the autonomy, all the freedom. There was no reason for me to leave. But there was the, the final straw was like every day waking up, not feeling like I was making progress, not feeling like I, I should be doing more. I should be creating my own thing. And when you hear that little voice day after day keep talking to you, you better start listening. And so I just, that's what I did. I, I listened. I said, okay, that's, that's enough. As the director of vision for Creators Learn, how did that company came about? So, you know, I've been doing this in this equipment financing space for 18 years, and um, I've, I've created this life that I have to pinch myself sometimes to realize I'm living it. And, you know, in the last, I guess it was three, four years when I started traveling quite a bit, I took my mom to Europe for her 60th birthday, and I'm over there. And I decided to extend the trip for like another three or four weeks. And I started realizing, man, I can do this business anywhere in the world. I don't need to be chained to Scottsdale, Arizona anymore. I can do this anywhere. And I started putting systems and processes in place 
and me and my partner, we started to think more and more about it. And she came from a government background and she was excelling in this business too. And so we looked at each other and like, anybody can do this business and anybody can excel at this. We're doing humanity a disservice if we don't share this with other people of how they can experience this type of lifestyle and create what we've created. So we started putting pen to paper and creating this blueprint of exactly what we do day in and day out within our business so people could copy it. And so that's what Creative Learn is all about is people can learn this business model of, you know, of partnering with equipment sellers to send them their financing business. Instead of chasing, you're actually receiving. Instead of pitching, you're creating relationships. And um, so that's really where it came from was this idea of like, it's not fair for people to have jobs they hate or be in cubicles or be employees if they really want to be entrepreneurs and I have a simple solution that these people don't know about because it's a very kind of secret niche market that people think, oh, businesses go to the bank to get loans. No, they don't. Banks are lazy. Banks want to do a $50 million deal. They don't want to do a $50,000 deal. That's where we come into play. And so our whole thing is like, let's educate people that want, that want it and let's help them become free and liberated the way we are. If you had to take your business model and compare it to a company that's doing it right now, is there someone that's similar or are you guys coming up with something that's completely not out there yet? Well, within this space, it's not out there. I guess if I had to compare it to something similar, I guess I would say kind of like, I guess, uh, the way the mortgage industry works to a certain degree where, you know, the, the mortgage brokers will go after uh, the lenders to say, hey, if you have someone that needs funding, you know, send them to me. So it's kind of somewhere along that vein. I, I think people in the mortgage industry understand kind of what we do, the way we target equipment sellers. So when their buyers want to buy their equipment, they have, hey, it's 500 bucks a month instead of 30 grand. So um, I think that's the only one that I could compare it to. But within this space, it's very archaic. There's a lot of chasing in this space, um, regardless of if it's a merchant cash advance or any type of financial product, everyone's chasing the, the end user of the fund instead of going after a more strategic approach where you're you know, talking to the people that are in, in the ear of the people that need the fund. When you extended that trick, what did it do mentally for you? It just made me feel like, I'm not, again, I don't want to be, uh, I want to be free. So, you know, I had, I had monetary success but I was still somewhat not free because I had to be set to a location. And so now the world is my home. Uh, you know, I'm Hong Kong or Thailand, or now I'm in Malaysia, or I've spent weeks in New York, I've spent time in Italy. I mean, you know, wherever I want to go is my office or my home. And so um, it has made me feel that much more empowered to do this and to teach other people about this model. Do you feel during this pandemic, it, companies are realizing that kind of idea where people could work wherever they want because they feel that they're still going to get the best results out of their employees? Or do you feel that they should do like a hybrid version where you go in the office and not in the office? Um, I mean, every entity is a little different, so it's going to depend on their culture. I, I think the smartest thing to do is Kind of a hybrid where um, I don't know, 80% of it is remote, and then maybe you meet once a month or once a quarter just to you know have a face and have some type of camaraderie and some type of morale. Um, so you know it's bigger than just yourself because Zoom only goes so far, I would say. 
Um, and it would, it would be better for the budget because you're not spending all this money on travel. Maybe just once a quarter or once a month, everybody gets together in a, you know, planned location um, where everyone's kind of around. Um, but also, I think it's really important that you see clearer as a CEO or as a uh, owner, who's really contributing to the organization and who's not, because you're not clouded by the, the posturing in the office. Oh, I like Todd. Oh, I like Sarah. So I can't get rid of them. But when you look at the numbers black and white on a piece of paper and you see what they're bringing in without them being around to influence you into posture, you see, oh, Sarah and Todd suck. They're not bringing in anything. I would only had an affinity towards them because they were in my physical presence and they were kissing my ass. But now that they're not kissing my ass because they can't, I see clearly what they bring to the company. So they have to go. And I think it's going to cut a lot of fat from companies. Um, and unfortunately, it's going to, oh, actually, fortunately, it's going to make people become better. Hopefully, um, they have to, hopefully they up their game, up their skills, up their personality. What, I mean, whatever it takes for them to become authentically themselves. So um, I, think it's, I think it's a net good for everybody. So you talked about you had the freedom to travel to all these places and now you're in Malaysia. What brought you to Malaysia and what sticks out to you and what you, have you enjoyed about being there? Um, it was just kind of luck that brought me to Malaysia. I was supposed to be here for a weekend initially and then I ended up staying a month because I found this you know, really sick um, condo in KL but then COVID struck. And so, you know, lockdown, lockdown happened. And so I was like, okay, I can go back to the States and I'll think um, too much nonsense. And then I can go to Europe, but everything is kind of in flux. And I don't want to be stuck somewhere where there's lockdown where it's cold or shitty. And so I'm like, well, let's stay in Malaysia because it's great. You know, everything's open. There's a beach. It's beautiful weather. People are great. Um, so I've been very happy to be here. It's kind of a sleeper country. I don't think people really realize how um, Western it is. It's just like the States, but without all the friction, I guess you'd say. Um, and, and a lot of that friction is just the media trying to pit each other against each other so they have eyeballs. Because um, I've, I've done road trips in the, in the States and I've been to all the States and 99.9% .9 of people are cool. There's not all this animosity that the, the media wants you to think there is. Um, so, um, yeah, so Malaysia was kind of by accident, but yeah, it's great. So I don't know, you know, where we'll go next. Maybe Thailand or I'm thinking maybe Georgia or Europe. So just you know, kind of waiting to see what happens with, I don't want to be anywhere cold, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally the same. Do you feel that this has given you the opportunity to learn about the different cultures of the world that you may not have had the chance if you're still in Scottsdale, Arizona? Yeah, without question. Um, yeah, you learn a lot about how cultures are and you learn a lot about your culture of, you know, America, how it's, um, you know, it's just kind of funny. A lot of groupthink. You kind of see groupthink more clearly. Um, and you can see the storm a little bit more clearly when you're not in the storm. You can actually say, oh, there's a storm over there. So it's helped me immensely see myself clearer and my, my place. Um, because you really just don't have that clarity because you don't realize how impactful your environment is when you're in it. So um, by me seeing clearly you know, your, your country, your friends, your family, the influences, the, your church, whatever it is that's influencing you, you don't realize how much that was influencing you until you're out of it. And you can say, oh, okay, that's interesting to see that. Um, you know, I don't want to do that anymore, or I do want to do that more. So 
it gives you a better perspective of your life and other people's lives throughout the world because everybody wants the same thing. Everybody wants to be happy. Everyone wants to make progress. Everyone wants to live in peace. Um, you know, people, people are just people. Do you feel the things that you're doing right now is what you're going to be doing five years from now? Or do you always have that entrepreneurial mind where that next idea is coming about? I always have the entrepreneurial mind. Um, and my whole thing is like, I just believe in being excellent in the moment. I don't have, I don't believe in goals. I think goals are for chasers and losers, to be honest with you. Um, because you're always perpetually unfulfilled. You get to your goal, now you have to make another goal. Or you don't get to your goal, now you beat yourself up because you didn't get to your goal. So it's a lose-lose situation. Instead of, I just take every opportunity I get in front of me and I just execute it to perfection if I can, to the best of my ability. So I believe more in excellence in the moment and, and whatever that leads to, so be it. Um, and I know that always leads to great things. So um, I just you know, pay attention to what opportunities are laid at my feet and then I execute on those opportunities and then whatever happens from that, so be it. For someone that's listening to this interview, the final question I'll ask you, what tips or advice would you give someone to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? Um, number one is listen to yourself, trust yourself, and then act. Simple as that. But if you don't trust yourself and you don't listen to yourself, you don't know what to do. But I think the problem is people don't have a problem listening to themselves. And I don't think they have a problem even necessarily trusting themselves. Like, you know, you want to start the bakery. You know, you want to get out of being an accountant. You know, you hate the marriage. And you trust that this is the best way to go after, after all the final analysis is done. But the biggest problem people have is the last part is acting, doing something, um, executing. So, um, yeah, just do it. Just like Nike, just do it. I think that brings up a great point where people have a hard time doing the action. I think they always need someone to kind of guide them to it instead of just go for it and take those risks and don't regret anything. I think during this pandemic time, a lot of people have had that time to kind of reflect on what's going on in their life and say, is there anything I could change and make those changes that make it happen, basically? Yeah, exactly. I think it's important that don't use the pandemic as a scapegoat for the reason in the future of, oh, well, yeah, I did that because of pandemic. I mean, be proactive in how you want to create your life. Be proactive in taking the steps that mold your future self. Um, don't wait for something from the outside to come kick you in the teeth. And then you're like, oh, maybe I should find a better job. Oh, maybe I should find a better life. No one wants to live a reactive life. Be a proactive creator of your future. Well, Jermaine, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your Rise to the Challenge. We're excited to see what the future looks like for you. And you have inspired so many people during this time. Hey, thanks, Alex. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their Rise to the Challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full-length episode and video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.